Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome, everyone, in the United States and around the world. Great to have you with us again today. Hey, Yoshiko Dart, special shout-out to you. I'm always thinking about you, and I hope you're having a great day. I always have to thank our listeners in Ireland, Russia, China, every every country that listens to this show. However many people it is, I don't care if it's one, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for continuing to help me help people with disabilities around the world. And, of course, I have to thank our lead sponsor, Highmark who has been our lead sponsor for the past three years. And I am, of course, celebrating National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And we have saved the best for last. And that would be Miss Sarah Oliver Carter, the Chief Diversity Officer at Duquesne Light, and I'm proud to say, a friend of mine, she is a real champion for people with disabilities. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. It's my privilege to be on your show today. Well, I just want to tell all of my listeners, you know, this woman's the real deal. Okay, here's an example. How long have you been at Duquesne Light, Sarah? Well, I've been with Duquesne Light for about 90 days. <laughs> okay. I so know. Duquesne Light... 90 days, and do you know, she organized a National Disability Employment Awareness Month event, and she's only been there 90 days. This is what I mean about Sarah Oliver Carter, who I knew, uh, she was at Penn State and years before at Highmark, I can tell you she has always been dedicated to people with disabilities, but I think that example I just gave you says it all right there. Um, And Sarah, you know, I think the world of you. And for our listeners, um, I think everyone would be interested in how you first became involved in diversity and inclusion because, um, to me, that's sort of like civil rights. So how did that happen with you? Well, first, Joyce, I just want to thank you for that wonderful introduction. And I have to say that you are my role model. You are my inspiration, and you always have been as a friend, um, as an advocate, um, and as a leader. So thank you for that. How I became interested in diversity and inclusion probably started several years ago in the beginning of my career. Um, what I also want to say on the side is that I do happen to be a person with a disability, and I think that has a lot to do with it. As a person with a disability, I was responsible for doing some recruitment for a health management firm, and I had to reach out to different communities, different people, different backgrounds to kind of get people into the organization, and I noticed that we didn't necessarily have the tools or the communication vehicles to do that to reach different audiences, to talk about where we could find diverse candidate pools. And so I thought, how can we do this better? What tools do we need? How do we need to communicate better? Especially working and trying to recruit people with disabilities. 
where do we go? And I think that was one of the things that got me started in diversity and inclusion because, quite frankly, there weren't a lot of people that could talk to me about that or give me advice and counsel as to where to go. So I started to create my own direction, and that became diversity. And then what I realized as I was traveling on this journey was that diversity is really great, but inclusion is a lot better, right? So I think that that started my journey and my career in diversity and inclusion. Wow. No no surprise to me that you would take it. Now, once again, I've got to say it. Okay, I know people with a visible disability that do not say, I want to share with you I have a disability. See, that's what I mean about Sarah being the real deal. Because when you're a leader in any corporation and you take time to raise your hand and say, hey, I too have a disability because we know disability does not define us. It's just part of who we are. That makes a tremendous difference in getting other people to say, hey, I have a disability also. So um, kudos for that, Shara. Uh, But, you know, I wanted to talk about Duquesne Light, which I'm proud to say is right here in my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But once again, for our listeners, could you tell everyone about Duquesne Light you know, the services, the size, what you do. Absolutely. So I work for Duquesne Light Company. Duquesne Light Company is committed to keeping the lights on, right? It's an electric utility. It powers the moments of its customers' lives, which I find interesting and amazing because, you know, turning on the light is not just a switch. It's much more than that. And Duquesne Light has nearly 1,500 employees that are dedicated to delivering reliable and safe energy to more than half a million customers in southwestern Pennsylvania. And what's even more interesting and amazing is that Duquesne Light is committed to inclusion and diversity. That's why I'm here. Um, We had a really good conversation about how we can continue to build a culture of inclusion, which I talked about earlier, with a highly productive and diverse team of people dedicated to serving the communities that we live in. Yeah, and an example, going back to what we were just talking about, um, Sarah had me speak at, at Duke and Light for Disability Employment Awareness Month and had employees with disabilities speak. You know what really impressed me, Sarah, is how leadership came to that meeting. Yes, you know what, Joyce, it has been a privilege to work with the leadership here. There is a very strong commitment to diversity, especially employing people with disabilities. As you mentioned, we had our executives there who not only kicked off the meeting, stayed for the meeting, and then had some really good input after the meeting and said that they are dedicated to driving this forward and being actively involved in inclusion and diversity, specifically the recruitment, employment, and development of people with disabilities. And Joyce, we are hoping, and I know I issued you this invitation, that in the new year that you will come back because, as usual, you were so impressive that you're still the talk of the town today. (laughs) Well, you know, as I said, 
It takes two to work together, Sarah. Uh, and and just the fact you've only been there 90 days and all those people came also says something about you. And Duquesne Light is like, I don't even know how long they've been here in Pittsburgh. I know it's forever, it seems. But um, you hire a lot of people to not only work in like IT finance and accounting, but you also hire people that could work in physical type roles, uh, like a line person, you know, things of that nature. And I think that opens the door for a lot of people with disabilities that do not have, that are able to do that job physically, and even if they don't have a college degree. Uh, Would you say that's a good assessment? Absolutely, Joyce. I think there are so many openings here at Duquesne Light, and I'm not sure that people realize that, but I'm hopeful that after this conversation with you, they'll take a look at the website, see what's available. As you said, IT or information technology, engineering, human resources, finance, legal. It's, It's, you know, it's, there's a large opportunity for anyone that might be interested in a career at Duquesne Light specifically talking about employing people with disabilities. I think there's a lot of opportunity. So I would take a look at the Duquesne Career website and see what all of the opportunities are available. There's also things like customer service. There's all kinds of roles that are available. Yeah, and it's amazing how people think of some of the same companies, uh, you know, Highmark, uh, PNC, UPMC, uh, U.S. Steel. You know what I mean? They think of these same companies over and over when they're looking for employment, but are, there are all these other companies with great opportunities. What, what is the website, Sarah? What is your website? You know, if you go to Duquesne Light, there's actually, if you go to the Duquesne Light um, web page, if you just search on Duquesne Light and you click on it, if you go down about, you know, just about halfway through the page, you'll see careers. It looks like a little suitcase. And you can click on it, and it'll take you right to the career page. It's just one click away from the very top. And what is the website? You know what? It is, and I will tell you that right now. It is, let me just pull that up. I want to make sure I give you the right information. It is careers for successfactors.com. Actually, I'll, I, I can share that with you later. It's a little long to put out there, but I would strongly suggest going to the Duquesne Light. Just search on Google, Duquesne Light, click on it, and right there on the first page it says careers. Because well, that the, would, um, that, Yeah, that would probably be the easiest thing to do. Yes. Um, and I would encourage everyone to do it because so many opportunities that you may not even be thinking about right right here in Pittsburgh at this company. And of course, if you're anywhere else in the United States interested in moving to Pittsburgh, uh, once again, great company. Um, do, do what Sarah said, you know, go to Duquesne Light on Google. And when you get there, go to uh, careers and, and you'll be able to see all the offerings that the company has. So Sarah, what do you do at Duquesne Light? What what does your role encompass? So when I was hired at Duquesne Light, and I think we talked a little bit about it earlier, Joyce, the goal is to continue 
to build inclusion here and sustain it and maintain it and to ensure that everyone's voice is heard and valued, right, and listened to. So that's part of my job. So it, it rolls into not only a diverse workforce, but the talent side of things. So let's talk about recruitment. Let's talk about development. Let's talk about how we move people through the organization. It's all of the above. And as you mentioned earlier, our executives here and our employees, our people here, are dedicated to pushing and driving diversity and inclusion and making people feel welcome because that's important. We can talk about recruiting a diverse workforce, which is also part of my job, and bringing people in. But we can bring people in, but they have to feel comfortable. And that's one of the key initiatives that I'm working on. So I'm working on what we call the four pillars, talent, culture, customer, and community. And under those four pillars, we'll be looking at different opportunities to improve, to energize, to be bold, and lead. And then there's one last one, because there are actually five, four focus, but a fifth. And, and that is supplier diversity. So that's another place where, you know, there is opportunity for uh, minority-owned businesses, people with disabilities who own businesses to get into the supplier diversity program. So in those four pillars, we're going to be doing a lot of work to kind of drive inclusion and diversity. And, you know, you've done so much work in diversity. What do you say to, and I hear this all the time, but in any area of diversity, not just disability, what do you say when someone says, well, we want to do this, but we just can't find people? Well, you know, that are minorities would, or that are uh, from people with LGBTQ. Yeah. I would say that they may not be looking in the right place. And as I said earlier, may not be using the right communication vehicles to get the word out. I think that there are real opportunities. There are professional organizations, especially here in Pittsburgh, that you can reach out to, talk to. There's a place called Vibrant Pittsburgh who's very, very active in the community, who has been very influential and impactful in continuing to grow opportunities to connect with different populations. I think that thinking through, you know, some sort of social media campaign, getting out there, talking about the organization, because people are here. We just need to tap into them. And also, I would also say that each organization needs to create a level of trust so that people feel like it's okay, that they can reach out, that they can think about joining a company that would respect and value their voice and their opinion and have an expectation that, that that individual will contribute to the bottom line of the organization. Yeah, and um, I know one thing I learned from you, Sarah, is it's sort of like, how can I say this? No baloney, you know, no spin. I'm trying to say this nicely, but, you know, if someone is really, just as you've always told me, if someone is really passionate, no matter what minority group it is, uh, and they, they put an effort on that, the people are out there. The people are there. They're ready. They're willing. Talented. Yeah. I know the question, is, the question is how much effort is that person putting into it? 
Right. And I think that it, it doesn't take much. It really doesn't take much. It's just reach, reaching out, um, actually listening, and just making a little bit of an effort to sell the organization to people who are interested in bringing talent, knowledge, and ability to the organization to drive it to meet its organizational goals. And I think, you know, as we talked about before, that's what's unique and special about the employment of people with disabilities, speaking from experience. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about for a moment um, is I wanted you to tell them your story. Jamie Protho, who I've talked about on this radio show before, uh, an employee that I ended up being hired by Highmark as a software developer, has a very significant disability with uh, cerebral palsy, in it, which is also a difficulty speaking, um, and has great spasticity, so he has to operate the wheelchair from behind him, his power chair. And, you know, when I first met him, no one would hire him. He had on his resume, believe it or not, he said, I would accept $10,000 a year because of my significant disability, which, here we go, he has a master's degree from the University of Pittsburgh in rehab and technology, and... Um, you know, Sarah knows him very well. But Sarah, would you mind sharing that story you did the other day about when you were going to work? Absolutely. And thank you for the opportunity to share. I was having a a day. It was a little bit of a day. I wasn't feeling 100%. I felt as though um, I should probably have stayed home. And then I was a little bit not happy with self on that particular day. And, and of course, it it was snowing and it was slippery. And, you know, it was just one of those days where you kind of wish you were home, you know, under a warm blanket, just, you know, relaxing. So as I was coming in the door and I was feeling pretty bad for myself, Jamie um, was across the street, was being let off by his, his transportation. And he comes across the street with a smile on his face. He nods to me. He goes in. No problem. And I thought to myself, I cannot believe that I was standing here fighting with myself about how bad of a day I'm having when, in fact, Jamie crossed the street in ice and snow on his way to work, passed me, smiling with a, with a great energy, and I, you know, a person who really didn't have that much of a bad day, was complaining. He changed my life in that moment. He changed how I approach things that may cause anxiety, things that may caused me to feel bad. Jamie taught me that a positive attitude and a positive approach can make your life a different journey. And so with that, you know, Jamie is, again, one of my role models because he is consistently optimistic and he changes people's lives just by being in them. Yeah, that's him. That is Jamie. And... I want to point out the one thing Sarah said about it was snowing. Here are other people that aren't at work, and he is. So, you know, that's why I say people with disabilities value work, and they will be there, and they will be appreciative. So, 
I already mentioned, here you are, just can't get over. You've only been there 90 days and had this uh, National Disability Employment Awareness Month celebration when there are people that have been forever at different companies and have not done this. I know that you mentioned you wanted to you know, expand this even more. What, what are your future goals for expanding disability inclusion? So I think there are a couple of goals, Joyce, and, and the first one I mentioned is to have you and Mary come back and talk to a, a larger group and tell your story because I think your story is fascinating and I think it gives people hope and I think it gives people direction and I think that the services that you offer in terms of supporting people with disabilities in the employment arena are important because I think that there is, and we talked about this, we talk, I think there's some anxiety and some level of fear. People don't want to do the wrong thing. And I think with your voice and Mary's voice, that you relieve some of that anxiety and you, and you say that it's okay. So that's my first goal, is to have you and Mary back into the organization. My second goal is to continue to build cultural competence around the employment of people with disabilities and why that's important. All of the things that you just talked about, optimistic, dedicated, loyal, dependable, knowledge, highly skilled, right, collaborative, inclusive, all of those really good things. After that, I would like to hold um, an immersion, which is part of the cultural competence piece, kind of like a walk in my shoes. I think that people don't necessarily understand, you know, how lives differ and how those lives impact how we function every day. So, for instance, one of the things I'd like to have is a sensitivity session. And I've been through, you know, sensitivity sessions before where, you know, you kind of realize what it's like to have, you know, low vision or you realize what it's like to have less, less flexibility in your hands or you realize what it's like to be deaf or hard of hearing in the workplace. And that gives you a special insight So to do that. Increase outreach. Continue to outreach and recruit people with disabilities into the workforce, looking at different vehicles and different communications. And then, again, engage. Just simply engage people so that they understand that inclusion and diversity are not just the right thing to do, but they're the best thing to do for the business. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope everyone's listening to you about that. Hey, um, as you know, on the half hour, we have our news break, Advocacy Matters, because I made a decision that I wanted to, on every show, have a news break to keep everyone up to date on what is happening in this country that impacts uh, us people with disabilities. And so how lucky are we that Perry Jude Radisick, who is known nationally as a civil rights leader for people with disabilities and is CEO of Disability Rights Pennsylvania, which I am so honored to serve as a trustee, would be the person that would be our anchor. So Perry Jude, welcome to the show. Hey, Joyce, thank you. Happy to be here today. Well, uh, there's updates on transportation, and we know how important transportation is to people with disabilities. And today, the U.S. Department of Transportation, this very afternoon, is hosting an Access and Mobility for All Summit from 1 p.m. to 5 
p.m. Eastern Time at the Department of Transportation Headquarters in Washington, D.C. This summit is going to be streaming live uh, for the rest of the afternoon sessions. Now, uh, there is a session that begins at 3.30 p.m., that's after your show, that will be discussing the future of mobility services as well as inclusive designs related to vehicle technologies. Both are panel discussions. So if there will be live streaming, you can visit our website at disabilityrightspa.org to find the link for these live streams. So if you go to disabilityrightspa.org, find the Advocacy Matters link, and go to today's show, you can find the link to the page for the Department of Transportation, Access and Mobility for All Summit, and then link to the live streams for this afternoon's panels. Also, Joyce, in mid-October, the U.S. Access Board announced that they will study the feasibility of equipping commercial airplanes with restraint systems so that passengers can keep their wheelchairs with them on commercial airplanes. This is a big deal. The study was authorized by Congress in 2018 as part of the reauthorization of the Federal Aviation Administration. And we all know how difficult it is for people with disabilities with wheelchairs to travel by air. And we know that because here at Disability Rights Pennsylvania and the other protection and advocacy agencies, we receive complaints of damaged or mishandled wheelchairs and scooters which are stowed in the cargo hold. So this is great news that the Access Board has decided to study only the possibility, it's only the possibility of using a restraint system for commercial airlines so that individuals can keep their wheelchairs through all phases of their flight. The Access Board hopes to have this study completed by October 2021, and we have a link to the information about this study. Again, if you go to disabilityrightspa.org, click on the link to this Advocacy Matters segment, you can find the link to the Access Board's information about this study. And finally, we know Advocacy Matters, and if you want to stay current with all the news and information about the Access Board, you can do that if you're on the same page about all this information about the updates on transportation. We want you to stay current with news and information by the Access Board. So visit this page at Disability Rights PA. Click on the Access Board uh, news and information page, and uh, you can view their every other month newsletter, and then you can subscribe on their own to their free newsletter. You get all the information about their public comment periods and their regulatory notices and even the complaint process to file a complaint uh, related to accessibility. Uh, So thanks, Joyce. That's our update for today. Well, Perry, uh, thank you so much for that, that great information. I just wanted to make a comment 
about uh, airplane transportation for people with disabilities. You know, when Perry's talking about this, I am the vice chair of the American Association of People with Disabilities, and Ted Kennedy Jr. is the chair. But we have on the board various leaders with disabilities that are known nationally and some internationally. One is, I would say, an icon in the disability community, Judy Human. And I invited Judy Human to come to Pittsburgh and speak last year at an event we had. And first, she called me. She could not get on the plane. There was this big ordeal getting her on the plane. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's Judy Human. Judy Human, who is like the civil rights leader They just say Judy, and people know who she is. And when I travel to Indonesia, South Korea, Kazakhstan, Japan, Panama, I don't care where I was as uh, uh, a speaker on the employment of people with disabilities, people would say, oh, do you know Judy? Do you know Judy Human? And they would be, oh, they all knew Judy Human because Judy Human most recently during the Obama administration worked in the State Department, but also worked in the Clinton administration, was one of the key players in getting the independent living city uh, centers going and just so many other things. She, she is just so impressive. And here I am hearing she can't get on the plane. So we get her here. And guess what? On the way back, they broke her wheelchair. And Kelly Buckland, who is the head of the National Center on Independent Living, told me that many people, colleagues of his that use a wheelchair, do not, if possible, want to use an airplane as their mode of transportation because they have had their chair uh, damaged the way Judy did, or they have been handled inappropriately getting them seated and actually hurt people. So I can't say how uh, near and dear this is to my heart, Perry, and I really appreciate you talking about all of this. Absolutely, Joyce. All right, Perry, thank you for that news break, and we'll look forward to hearing from you next week. Take care. And Sarah, is that not hard to believe when I you hear that? I know. Absolutely. It is very hard to believe, Joyce. And, you know, again, folks, you don't know what it's like until it's you. And I always remind people, you are the temporarily able-bodied. You can join our group at any time. And even if, like me, I live with epilepsy and I'm hard of hearing, that doesn't mean I couldn't be in an accident. I hope I'm not. But, you know, then have to use a wheelchair. Even if you have a disability, you know, something could happen that you have an additional disability. So we all need to get behind this and and really take this seriously. Um, And Sarah, I want to thank you for including disability in your diversity and inclusion programs at Duquesne Light. Um, As you probably know, for years, I would hear people talk about diversity and inclusion, and then somewhere off to the side, oh, there's disability. You know, should we consider including that in some way? Why do you think that is? Why do you think... And still, it is not part of diversity and inclusion at different companies. But why do you think that is? Why is this so hard? 
I think it's difficult for people because I think it addresses something that causes anxiety and fear in our population. I think that people feel that um, someone I know very well said that sometimes when people think about people with disabilities, they think about the medical model. Um, This was Deb Daggett, who is the former Chief Diversity Officer of Merck. And she said people always think about it as being, you know, hurt and unable and all of the negative things. And one of the things that she talked about was it should be a social model of ability and growth and knowledge. So I think that because, you know, like other things in life, there's not necessarily a positive um, stereotype that's always associated with having a disability, um, that people do not want to acknowledge it immediately. So because of that, they look at other things that they feel that they can impact more quickly. Um, And some people just don't necessarily believe they have the skill set to potentially deliver a really strong strategy around the employment of people with disabilities. And really, candidly, Joyce, you said it earlier in your your show, there's not a lot of effort. It's everything that you're already doing, and then it's just a little bit of inclusion. So I think that's just a little more effort, a little more communication, and, you know, just a little bit of inclusion, empathy, respect, and value. And what you talked about before, that is so true. Way back when I was on the President's Committee on Employment of People with Disabilities that reported to Tony Quello, that reported to President Clinton, we would always talk about we need to move from the medical model to just the business model, just that we're people with disabilities. We need to get away from that medical model. And people do think, still think that today. They still do think, oh, that could be me, or oh, I don't want to be like this, or I don't want to see this. That still exists today. Um, and, and you have to include all of us, and all of us includes people with disabilities. Secretary Tom Perez, when he was the Secretary of Labor, he used to say, the symphony is not beautiful without all instruments. And that is so true. If there are instruments missing, it's not played as well. So, you know, remember that. Remember to include people with disabilities. Now, we have talked for years, Sarah, about how horrible the employment rate of people with disability, unemployment rate is, which is double that of the non-disabled. And even today, 70% of people with disabilities are not counted in the workforce, even though, even though next year is the 30th anniversary of the ADA. Now, even though, as you said, there are people that feel like that, that's terrible. I mean, it is really terrible. You know, why do you think that it is so hard for companies to make decisions to hire people? So I think, again, I go back to, you know, what I mentioned earlier. I think people may not even understand or realize that the unemployment rate for people with disabilities is so high. I think that's reason number one. I think reason number two is they don't necessarily understand the skill set of people with disabilities and what they can deliver. 
I think that's the other reason. I think a third reason is that if they were really focused on the bottom line and ROI, they would know that people with disabilities can deliver it. But I actually believe that there is a level of, of the unknown out there, that people just aren't aware. And because they aren't aware, they don't take action. So I think part of the, the, the joy of working with you is that you bring a high level of awareness, you have a high level of impact, you have a high level of influence, and quite frankly, Joyce, you just get it done. So I think that if people were much more aware, much more knowing, that they would become more involved in the recruitment and employment of people with disabilities. Um, and, you know... I, I said this the other day, and I'll say this again. When you go to a company and they say, we haven't hired people with disabilities before, I remind them, oh, yes, you have. There are people here with depression, bipolar disorder, diabetes, epilepsy, MS, uh, hard of hearing. You know, I could go on, on and on. It's just they aren't telling you. And Sarah, I believe the reason they aren't identifying is because they believe they will be treated differently by the employer. Do you agree with that? I think that is part of the reason. So a, a little side story, and Joyce, you know this, this, that I lost my husband um, about six years ago. And he was a person with multiple disabilities. And, you know, he was, I can remember when he was first um, diagnosed and he started to lose his sight. Um, he was not real candid about sharing the fact that he couldn't see as well as he used to or that he couldn't walk as well as he used to and that he tried to hide that because he was afraid that people would judge him based on his disability. So I would definitely agree with your comment, Joyce, that you know people are a little bit concerned that that would impact people's decision around their employment, it would impact their decision around their development. And I know that I experienced that personally with my husband. And the one thing that he said to me, he said, you know, Sarah, if there was anything that I could do, he said, that would just be work. He said, I would just love to be able to continue to contribute. Keeping in mind, this was a man that had worked over 25 years, nonstop in the workforce, and had been and continued to be a contributing member of society. And all he wanted was an opportunity to continue that. Yeah, as most people do uh, with disabilities. That is what it is. It's until you are employed, you are not free in this country. And uh, employment, that is what does it. That is that is the differentiator. And, you know, I think there are people with disabilities that have given up because they just feel, you know, self-efficacy. I'm not as worthwhile. I'm not going to get a job. People aren't going to give me a chance. I mean, they've given up. There are people that have just given up. And then, you know, as you said, there are people that hit barriers. And one of them is if 70% of people with disabilities are not counted in the workforce, 
then they don't have work experience. And if you don't have work experience and you go interview for an entry-level job, I mean, for a position, and they say, sorry, you know, all of our jobs require five to 10 years of experience. Well, now here's another hurdle that you have to overcome. So there are many reasons, but I want to remind everyone that hiring a person with a disability is not charity. It's a good business decision. And with that, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we will end the show talking to Sarah Oliver Carter. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Sarah. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Disability Matters. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. And you know, Sarah and I talk about this often, but we're not there yet with... 
without discrimination for all groups. I mean, sadly, there is hate in this country. And sadly, we have a long way to go, which is probably one of the reasons that the uh, minority community and the LGBTQ community are, those groups are some of my biggest supporters. And I always say that's because been there, done that. But even, you know, right here in Pennsylvania, especially central Pennsylvania, and I love Pittsburgh. I love this state. I love it. I'm a Pittsburgher through and through, but I'm sorry to tell you that there was in central Pennsylvania and probably at a much smaller level still is uh, the Ku Klux Klan. And of course, there are hate groups, sadly, all across America. You know, October 27th was the horrible anniversary of the massacre at the synagogue, Tree of Life Synagogue, right here in Pittsburgh, uh, where 11 people were massacred. I mean, I'm sure you all saw that on CNN. It was and, and recently on 60 Minutes, but it was just so heinous. Well, now we're starting to see, and, and two of those people were people with disabilities at that synagogue. Now we're starting to see um, that include, of course, people with disabilities to a larger degree. So I just want to say, if you're listening to the show, you know, kindness reigns. It really does. It's bad enough that people aren't getting hired, but attacked and assaulted, including many, many people with intellectual disabilities. So... Open your hearts and minds. Let's make a difference on how we treat people with disabilities. And Sarah, that other story I told you know is very well true. Sadly, because you yeah. lived in Central PA. Yeah, I I, I grew up in, in, in Central PA, um, you know, so it, it was an interesting experience and one that enriched my life. And it taught me that inclusion matters, that people should be valued, and that um, love is something that can really um, conquer and overcome many barriers. So um, life-changing experiences, to your point. Yeah, and... uh as Martin Luther King said, that is really the only thing that can overcome hate is love. That is so true. So, Sarah, there are a lot of companies listening to the show today. What advice do you have for companies seeking to improve inclusion for people with disabilities? You know, one of the things I think is awareness and cultural competence and also disability etiquette. And Joyce, you did a really nice job when you were here, as usual, about talking um, about disability etiquette. I think those are the things that are, are critically important, but also, you know, just treating people with value, respect, and dignity. That, that's it. That's one of, the, one of the key things. That builds inclusion, right? Making sure that people are part of the team, that they're included in activities, and leading activities, that there is an effort in the company to talk about their commitment to inclusion, diversity, 
equity and community and belonging. Belonging is one of those key things. You know, belonging means that you're important, that you're going to drive, help drive a business strategy, that you're going to support it. And knowing that you're valued just takes your ability to the new level to get things done. So I think all of those things, along with some cultural competency, some training, and um, I think, you know, especially what we have here at Duquesne Light, and Joyce, you mentioned it earlier, is the sponsorship at the top of the house around making sure that this happens. And so, you know, again, I'm excited to be here. Um, It's a privilege for me, and I think we're going to continue to drive this. And I think if other organizations follow in those footsteps, they're going to find a level of success. Me too. Well, thank you so much. So, Sarah, who is your role model? Well, there's this person that I know really well, and she's been in my life for a number of years, and she's been a true advocate, um, and, and, and she's just pretty amazing, and, and how she tells her story, and the, the, her work that she does regularly, and just her advocacy. Her name is Joyce Bender. And Joyce Bender has been an amazing person, um, opening up eyes and creating awareness and being real candid about intent and impact and driving business strategy. So I would say, Joyce, you're, you're one of my role models. On top of that, um, my Angela has always been a role model for me. She had selective mutism, but through it all, she still rose, Right. Nothing kept her down. She got it done. And then followed up by Helen Keller, who, if you want to talk about barriers in life, conquered them all. And, you know, as a woman with a disability, the challenges that you, my Angelo, and Helen Keller have overcome should be celebrated, acknowledged, and valued, and stood up as a guide map for a journey that we can because we believe we can. So I thank you for that opportunity to kind of hang around in your sunshine. Oh, well, you know what? That is just such an honor coming from you, uh, Sarah, because I think everyone that knows me knows how highly I think of you and how you have changed so many lives. Uh, Sarah has that one trait that's great it's great but it sort of causes people to not know what she's like and that she's very modest Sarah is very modest um, and humility of course is a great trait but since I am speaking to people around the world I can speak up and tell you Sarah Oliver Carter is just a fantastic person uh, that is making a difference in so many lives. And uh, Sarah, I just love you and thank the world of you. And thank you so much for being with us today. It was my privilege. Thank you. Okay. And this is Sarah Oliver Carter, Chief Diversity Officer at Duquesne Light Company. And listen, do not forget to go to that website and check out career opportunities. And with that, we're going to close the show today. uh, And we end every show with a quote. And because this is National Disability Employment Awareness Month, 
that quote, and I've used it before, but I've got to use it this month, is lead on. Lead on no matter what, said the great late Justin Dart Jr. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.